0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Enter the Labyrinth with me, Brendan, your host. Uh, so sticking with what I kind of announced last episode of trying to have a more raw format for the podcast where my writing stuff more structured and, and of course I have my social media stuff, the more raw approach. So I was scrolling the internet, as one does, and I stumbled across, uh, you know, I, I, I follow the subreddit Ask Philosophy and I stumbled across this post titled... Yaron Brook, Kant is the most destructive philosopher since Plato. And I clicked on the clip, and it was a three-minute clip from Lex Friedman. Um, so I didn't watch the video yet. Uh, I thought had the little moment there. I was like, oh, this could be a perfect episode to do kind of a raw reaction on the podcast and react to it here and kind of see where my thoughts go and see where my thought process goes and what kind of comes up. Um, yeah, so we're going to test it out. If you're listening to this, it means I thought I did a well-enough job of explaining things and reacting to it and all that stuff. I don't even know who Yari and Brooke is, um, but yeah, we'll get into that. But also, you can continue to help support the show. I appreciate you all for listening, but if you'd like to support me more tangible ways, there is a audio bonus feed on Apple Podcasts, or you can get a the writing bonus stuff, which is my dream stuff, and kind of more personal stories, and just kind of more experimental writing um, in the link in the description, it's, my, it's called a, F- a Philosopher's Stone. It's my sub stack. You can check me out there. Otherwise, you can just rate me on Spotify and have a podcast and also just share with your friends and all that good stuff or send me messages on your feedback. I always love feedback, but as always, thank you for support. But enough of that. Let's enter the lab right now. Okay, so as I was kind of mentioning, raw reaction. It was on the Lex Friedman podcast, and for those of you that don't really know, uh, Lex Friedman a pretty big podcaster. I think he has like a uh, more of a science based background, um, and in AI, he goes on Joe Rogan podcast a lot. Um, so when I saw the title, Kant is wrong, that's why I kind of want to react to this to see who who it is, who this person's background is, uh, like kind of like. I, Kant is wrong on stuff, but typically when there's that, like, clickbait stuff on a title of a video, it might be some pretty bold claims. And I know Lex Friedman—I don't want to assume things already, but, but like, Lex Friedman and, and like, Joe Rogan, they have on some very pseudo-intellectual characters on that have an audience, but really they themselves don't really know what the fuck they're talking about. You know, you got, like, the Dave Rubin types and— um ah oh, fuck, what is that? There's this dude named like James Lindsay. And they're they're like this very anti critical race theory, anti like postmodernism. I just have a feeling, my inclination is that it's gonna be some uh, uh someone involved around that and anti Kant because of that stuff. We'll see. I hope that makes sense. For those that don't know the little drama in that space, that's okay. This is still I'm hoping will be uh, educational-based video. I just want to give you that background of where this audio is coming from um, and kind of why I picked it, because I have a feeling this is what it's going to be. But we'll see. A little blind reaction. See how I do reacting if I without basically any notes. Uh, but I've been reading some content lately, and that's also why I wanted to do it. So let's, let's fucking see. Okay, one sec. Oh. You're
1: on. You say that uh, history is interesting. But perhaps not crucial if in in the context of individualism no I mean I think I think there's a false dichotomy he presented here and and that is that one view holds that uh, you can derive any anything from a particular historical path and a kind of an empirical view, and if we know the history, we know where we should be tomorrow we know what what where we should stand today and the the other path is we ignore history, we ignore facts, we ignore what's going on, we can derive from some a priori axioms, we can derive a truth right now. And both are false. Both of those views, in my view, are false. Um, <laughs> what? Okay, so I'm pretty sure he's describing
0: Kant in this or Kant's positions in this case or what Kant is trying to present or explain. Um, and I'm pretty sure what he was trying to explain. I think I I, I am not one to be I – don't, I don't know how else to put this nicely, but I think he was trying to give a – distinction between kind of a more rationalism approach and a more uh and and like empiricism I think that's what he was trying to do but he he did a really kind of piss poor job of explaining both of those uh viewpoints and and he was explaining it about Kant I want to add that context he's talking about Kant um but yeah he, he that was that was bad I don't know how else to put it nicely because Although Kant was, you know, he 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 was more of like combining empiricism and this like realism materialism about the world because that's why Kant wasn't an empirical realist. To <laughs> to put it simply, he was blending empiricism with reason. Uh, so based on the way he separated those two things, this uh, Brooks guy, I, I'm we'll, we'll see where he goes with this, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be a Really incorrect
1: way of, of expressing it. And, uh, you know, Ayn Rand and I, I reject uh, uh, both of those views. And I. Oh, my God.
0: Okay. Well, you know that stuff I said in the beginning of the podcast where I said he's going to be in that pseudo intellectual crowd? Uh, well, it appears he's an Ayn Rand objectivist. Um, and Ayn Rand is historically historically known for completely misunderstanding Kant not only misunderstanding Kant but copy copying stuff from other philosophers and and giving kind of summaries of philosophers and doing an awful job of it Uh, we we can do that a different day of going into the problems of objectivism if people are interested in that but that, that my red flags are now going way up because if he's an Ayn Rand objectivist... Well, let me... Actually, let me just look in the description because... Let's see. yarn Brooks... okay. I probably should have just looked at the description of the video. Yaron Brooks is an objectivist, blah, blah, blah. This conversation and debate about national conservatism versus individualism. All right. Okay. So that's some background. We have, we have some evidence of why he's anti-Kant. But let's see let's let's see his reasons though. So we'll give him a chance. Maybe maybe he has some points to make. Uh but we'll, we'll we'll see here.
1: I think the better thinkers of the Enlightenment did as well, although they sometimes fall into the trap of appearing like rationalists. And you and know, I, mean, I uh, agree on one thing and that is that Kant is, is is one of uh you know we've 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 talked about this in the past, yes. Alex. Not but we both hate Kant. That. We both think Kant <laughs> is is I, I at least think Kant is probably the the, the most destructive philosopher uh, since Plato, <laughs> uh, who was pretty destructive himself. But um, that's man, man, what a this is some bold
0: claims here. This guy not only hates Kant but also hates Plato. And for context, for people listening, uh, Kant, for example, all philosophy that comes out today is either branching off of what Kant did. Or responding to Kant, uh, Kant has been so influential to thinking. He is, he is the mo- like he is what modern philosophy now talks about. They're all reacting to Kant. He revolutionized thinking. You know, people like Heidegger were re- responding to him, Hegel, um, and even like any like postmodern thinker you can think of. Even even hitting in the the field of psychology, it's responses to Kant. Um, so I, I guess that would be why his opinion is that he thinks Kant is is terrible. Uh, he doesn't like the direction it goes, but it, there's a reason they're reacting to him is because Kant made some um, great points. He you know kind of tried to take. Okay, so at the time I'm gonna like do a little loop background. At the time, religion religion was known as like the source of values, and then the Enlightenment came in, and it was kind of this this revolution in science. I might be doing a somewhat poor job of explaining this, but I want to explain as quickly as possible for this. Uh, But the enlightenment came in and we started seeing this kind of rift and the separation of, you know, faith and reason. And, and then now also people wanted to create values and have values not derive from religion and faith. They wanted to see if we could get them through reason. And that's what, that's what Kant was doing but, you know, he separated or he not separated, Separates is a bad way to say it. He was trying to combine this very intuitive um, empir- empiricism uh, with rationalism and reason. He was trying to combine those two to create values and create values that humans can can thrive on. You know, like that's what basically humanism is basically from Kant, Right. And so, to to say that, you know, Kant was just like this terrible figure, that's why I kind of find it weird because I don't, maybe I just don't know Ayn Rand's objectivism well enough. Uh, I've read some of Ayn Rand's stuff, disagree with her on pretty much every single thing she writes. However, I just don't really see how she has such a big issue with Kant because based on what I know about Ayn Rand, she's also making claims, these moral claims. Um, Kind of using categorical
1: imperatives in a sense in a in a really piss poor way. But
0: anyway, let's see what let's see what else he has to say.
1: And part of the problem is that Kant divorces reason from reality. That oh is, he divorces God. reason from history. He divorces reason from experience because we don't have direct experience of reality according to Kant, right? Uh, okay. Okay. The exact
0: what he just said is is I'm not even it's literally the exact opposite. It is literally the exact opposite of what Kant's actual stance is. I don't even know how to... Okay, so let me kind of explain why that's the opposite. Because we have to rely... So this is what Kant was basically saying. We have to rely on our experience to form knowledge. That's the empiricism. We have to rely on our experience to form knowledge and our consciousness, for example. So the thing in itself, like an object that we observe, the thing in itself, it's outside of us. So we take it in. And we make categories and form knowledge from that. So we make categories about what we are taking in and we categorize it. Our mind does. So he's not separating that process because once we take it in, we have knowledge of the thing, right? He's not separating the process uh, of that. He's, he's saying our reason, our ability to reason allows us to trust that process of empiricism that we're taking in information, so he's essentially describing, Kant is, he's essentially describing how we form knowledge with reason. He's saying our reason allows us to form knowledge. You know, he has a, he has, yeah, uh, I don't know how else to, it's literally the opposite of what he was saying. And Kant thinks those categories that we form our knowledge around, he thinks those can be universal. So he's saying with our reason, he's not, because what what the Yarian Brooks guy is essentially saying is that he thinks Kant is making everything subjective um, in a really I don't know if that's exactly what he would say, but he's very close. He's going on that saying that Kant is saying everything is relative. He's essentially kind of making that claim that that's what he thinks Kant's doing. And Kant is not doing that. People criticize Kant for overly relying on reason and thinking our ability to reason was more pure than it really was. And Kant has a whole book titled The Critique of Pure Reason, right? So to make the claim that Kant was trying to separate These two, these ways of, let me, let me see how he phrased it one more time, actually. So I don't misquote
1: him here. He's Brooks guy. Pretty destructive himself. But, um, and part of the problem is that Kant divorces reason from reality. That is, he divorces reason from history. He divorces reason from experience because we don't have direct experience. No, he,
0: so like I said, so I was right. It's the opposite. He inserted reason back into experience. He was because he was saying because we can no longer rely on this like idea of faith and this idea of religion to form our knowledge. We need to reinsert reason into into kind of this new understanding of how we observe the world. You know, basically it was this understanding that it's us. We are kind of alone here in this cosmos in a sense, and he's trying to reinsert reason into that so that we could have this reliable system of forming knowledge still that didn't need to rely on religion. That's what Kant was trying to do. Okay. And I'm not a Kant expert. So if someone's more of a Kant expert, they can send me information of where I worded things wrong. But I know Kant well enough to know this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking
1: about. Experience of reality according to Kant, right? We're we're removed from that direct experience. But I, I view Kant as the anti-Enlightenment. That is, I view Kant as the destroyer of good Enlightenment thinking. And and, Yohan, and, and I acknowledge a lot of um, history of philosophy, uh, people who do history of philosophy, view Kant as the embodiment of the Enlightenment, That is the, the, the ultimate. But, but I, I think that...
0: They view him as the embodiment of the Enlightenment because he is essentially the embodiment of the Enlightenment. He was the, he was the Enlightenment thinker that now everyone reacts to. So I just good to call him the the counter enlightenment is just the most absurd statement like this video. This video is golden. I'm so glad I've used this for this episode because he no he is so wrong about Kant that I question if he's ever actually read Kant to, to be completely honest. Um, and actually this this gave me a thought. Um, I'm guessing, so, okay, so for those that are really into this and really want to get more into this critique, there's, uh, there's this YouTube channel called Cuck Philosophy. I think he still calls it that. I forget if he still calls it that. He might've changed the name, but he has this great video. It's like an hour long video. If you really want to get into this for those that are listening, cause I know some people listening, uh, or kind of, they might be into like the Jordan Peterson crowd. Um, kind of some of those. Yeah, I would say Jordan Peterson's kind of like the branch off. Jordan Peterson's takes on philosophy are often also misinformed, but a lot of his misinformation comes because he's because Jordan Peterson is a big fan of this guy named Stephen Hicks, uh, who Stephen Hicks has this like whole book, book trying to explain postmodernism, and he essentially just completely butchers what postmodernism is. Um, yeah, I would check that out. I'm going to link that in the description below and the reason i'm not going to dive into some of those points is because that video accomplishes it beautifully does a beautiful job i also know that it has some stuff uh, replying to kant as well so i'm explaining some of it here but i think you'll 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 see the connection there i don't know if this Yaron brooks guy is actually cuz he's, he's this guy's an older fellow you can't see cuz you're listening but i would i would guess he might be even be before Stephen Hicks. However, they I would I would guess just the way he's talking about Kant, they are very similar, and they have at least talked, or maybe they come from the same the same rings. It, it feels like this dude has read that dude's book, the Stephen Hicks book that Yarian Brooks has read Stephen Hicks book, just based on what he's saying about Kant, because a lot of the stuff that this Brooks guy is wrong about on Kant. Uh, the Stephen Hicks guy was also just way off. And, and it's really sad, really. This is the, the unfortunate thing about that, is these big thinkers that pop up, like Jordan Peterson, and they have all this influence. And this might be a little bit of a rant. That's we're, This is where we're seeing where the thoughts go today. Uh, but a, a rant about how a lot of the public-facing intellectuals we have... It's really interesting how this happens, and this is might be this is why I've been so hesitant to go into academia, to be quite honest. It's because I see there's this really, I see it important that we have public intellectuals, because I think public intellectuals are inevitable. But if we don't have like academics, PhD academics that talk about this stuff and are experts on Kant and are experts on Various philosophers and psychologists and people like Lacan, Foucault, um, people with a real good grasp of of postmodernism, but I don't I don't know what it is or why, but we don't have many of those that are out in the public explaining stuff. We have YouTube channels and a few podcasts and podcasts like mine, but I'm not even enough of an expert. I don't think I am, and even some of the YouTube channels they are they have. Probably more of a background than even I do sometimes, uh, but still we don't have these these public faces that are in academia, and because and since we don't, we do else we do have those public intellectuals, and we get people like Jordan Peterson, and I'm just gonna use Jordan Peterson as an example because I'm trying to name people off the top of my head, and I don't want to name anyone that I don't know about well enough. But Jordan Peterson's like the perfect example where I actually think some of his older stuff is informative. But he's been embraced as this public intellectual, and a lot of stuff he says, and now he starts, you know, you get this audience, and you start thinking you have this expertise in all these various areas, and a lot of the stuff he says about philosophy is just incorrect. Um, And it's a lot of stuff like this, where they're criticizing, they they created this idea of what, say, like, postmodernism is, or poststructuralism, and from that, they've created this, they've essentially created this straw man philosophy of what it is, and they don't ever like actually talk to real postmodern philosophers, but I don't necessarily blame them because it's like who who are the big ones? Like who who do we have? We have like Slavo Zizek and Jordan Peterson and Slavo Zizek debated each other, I think, like they debated one, one time. And Jordan Peterson just got absolutely oblibler, uh, can't really talk. Got absolutely obliterated by Slavo Zizek. And everyone knows that watch that debate. I would also search that debate on YouTube as well if you're interested in this topic. Um, Yeah, so it's just stuff like that. It's just really unfortunate. And I also think academia does this to kind of quickly end this rant. But academia does this is because it's been kind of hijacked by, I would say, this kind of economic system. We're in this monetary system where you you go into academia and you have to specialize and, and it's like the efficiency of capitalism right we got to specialize in academia and everyone's just trying to specialize so much and they're trying to stay in their lane and not go outside it and they're afraid of what they're going to say publicly cuz it'll affect you know how they look in the whole academic space and then that that there, they're worried about what they think or what they think about or what they pursue. And that's not what academia is supposed to be about. It's, about, it's supposed to be about this pursuit of various thoughts and, and this discussions and debates and all this stuff. That's what academia is supposed to be. But it's become this thing of creating these people that are just specialized in all these various areas. And that's good in a lot of areas like the sciences. But when we're talking about the social sciences, it's not necessarily good because we miss so much information. And then people are afraid to speak out. And then we have this where we have people that actually do speak out and don't give a fuck. And then the people that do end up actually speaking out and giving a fuck, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And then we have people that they then influence people and they get this like bad image of what academia is. And they get this bad image of what these various philosophers thought and these philosophical schools of thought and and what truth is and and go down various conspiracy rabbit holes. There's a whole discussion around that that's so frustrating. And this video I'm listening to is bringing all these thoughts up because this is another example. Lex Friedman has a big audience and he brings on these guys that are talking about philosophy. Lex Friedman so far in this video hasn't pushed back on this guy. And this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about with Kant. He just doesn't know. So he needs to bring, he needs to just, this happens so much and it's so frustrating. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to help it. I'm, I'm trying to, create stuff like this to to react to it. And some people will be like, think I'm being an arrogant prick to this guy, but I don't know how else to put it. I hope I'm explaining how wrong he is. Um, yeah. So enough of that shit. Let's, let's continue.
1: Okay. That's a mistake. I think both Rousseau and Kant are, are fundamentally the goal, their mission in life is to destroy the enlightenment. So my view is neither of those, options are the right option. That is uh, the true reason-based, uh, reason is not divorced from reality. It's quite the opposite. Reason is a tool. It's a faculty of identifying and integrating what? It's identifying and integrating the facts of reality as, 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 as we know them through uh, sense perception or through the study of history, through what actually happened. So it's so fascinating. <laughs> it's Because what he just
0: described is essentially what Kant was saying we can do. <laughs> he was describing uh, Kant was figuring out of kind of how the psyche works into how we we come to knowledge. He was making an argument of how we actually come to knowledge, and he was what he was trying to do. Like I said earlier in the in the in this episode, he's trying to combine those two things of how we use empiricism and we need to use our re- we use our reason to interpret what we take in through empiricism, he w- he was reacting to David Hume as well. Uh, Kant was was responding to Hume and it was kind of responding to this kind of skepticism in a sense. Uh, so it's just fascinating because I'm listening to this guy and this guy would actually, sh- like, because I actually don't agree with a lot of what Kant says. Um, like I said, we'll do that in a different episode. But this guy... <laughs> He's a fucking Kantian. and he doesn't even know it. He's a Kantian, but he has this idea of Kant that's incorrect. So he thinks he he hates Kant, but actually what he just fucking described, he's a Kantian. It's it's just it's it's kind of poetically beautiful in a sense, in a sad way. Of like if he would just go and try to understand Kant and read, actually read Kant and probably talk to a Kant expert, he he would be a Kantian. It's, and knowing that he's an objectivist tells me that
1: he would be a Kantian. So just that little tidbit there. So it's the integration of those facts. It's the knowledge of that history. And then what we do is we abstract away principles based on what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past, the consequences of different ideas, different past different actions. We abstract away principles that then can be universal. Not always. We make mistakes, right? We can come up with a our- He... <laughs> Sorry, he,
0: he he essentially just described, and not in the most correct way. But what that little audio there we just heard of him, he was describing what a what the categorical imperative kind of is. Um So that, that's just, oh, man, this is this is mm, beautiful, beautiful
1: stuff. So universal principle it turns out that it's not. But if we have the whole scope of human history, we can derive principles as we do. In life, as individuals, we derive principles that are then truths that we can live by. But you don't do that by ignoring history. You do that by learning history, by understanding history, by, by understanding, in a sense, tradition and where it leads to, and then trying to do better. And I think good thinkers are constantly trying to do better based on what they know about the past and what they know about the present.
0: Okay, so that that last little bit there, uh, I think he was, cri- he was trying to criticize Kant for... Not putting a lot of history in his works of philosophy, which is kind of true, I think. I don't. I haven't read enough of. It's not like I've read all of Kant's work. I've read some of it, um, but just because he didn't focus on history doesn't mean he wasn't paying attention to history as well. So I don't. I don't really actually understand that statement. But that concludes the clip. It was only a three and a half minute clip, and I turned this into a twenty-five minute episode. Um, but yeah, that was, okay. I think I think it was a lot of fun. I think I, I expressed things. I think I'm going to gradually improve since I don't really have notes and stuff. I'm kind of just going off what the knowledge I already have and, you know, what I'm pulling from that. So we'll see how, how this improves. But that was a fascinating video. I'm going to try to put some links below so if people want to dive deeper into this. Um, and I hope this was kind of an entertaining way. To, and, and I hope I helped educate enough on this topic. But thank you for listening. But it's time for you to get the fuck out my labyrinth.